Everybody got the victory here today? <laughs> if you're in Christ, you have the victory. Amen. Well, I can't help but notice my first cousin walked in today, uh, Karen Wood. Amen. And husband Ronnie and and uh, Ronnie's mother, right? Oh, nice to have you today. Praise the Lord. They uh, they're from up north somewhere. You know, when you live in Florida, everything's up north somewhere. But uh, it's good to it's good to have you in the service today. Praise the Lord. Well, God's a good God, isn't He? Got the victory. You know, I like what Brother Shambach used to say, and he sang this song, "Hallelujah Anyhow." He said, "Never let life's uh, trials come put you down or whatever." Hallelujah, anyhow. Amen. And uh, the devil likes to bring his reports, sometimes through different circumstances, sometimes through an attack on your health and uh, whatever. And you just have to say, hallelujah, anyhow. The devil's a liar. Jesus is Lord. Amen. And uh, it's not that certain things aren't a reality, but there's always a higher reality. And that's in Christ and in the Word. So praise God. I'm excited to be back. We were we were gone a little longer than we anticipated, but fought the good fight, and here we are. <laughs> praise God. Uh, I'm going to preach today on right and wrong thinking. Now, it's not only right and wrong thinking, but it's right and wrong thinking, right and wrong believing, right and wrong confessing, and right and wrong action. There's four things there. And I've found that in faith, how many know faith is a force that works? It's a real thing. Uh, the Bible says clearly that faith is substance doesn't even say it has substance. It is substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Amen. And the evidence, or as some translations say, the title deed to what it is that you're believing God for. Does anybody here today believe in God for something? Expecting something? Claiming something that you haven't yet seen. It's not manifested, but you're still believing. Amen? Well, I would hope that we would always raise our hand on that question. That even if we were 99 years old <laughs> and still kicking, as they say, should be something that you're believing for. Uh, something you're expecting God to do. Always stretch your faith. Some people say, well, if I could just get over this one thing, then I could coast from there on. Well, coasting is not a very good way to go down the hill because when you hit the bottom, you don't know, you, you have lost control over the speed, everything. You might crash and burn. So our goal isn't to get over everything so that we can do nothing. Amen. We need to go from glory to glory, higher and higher, and do more 
for the Lord. Do more in our lives. Amen. So, that in mind, we're going to preach a faith message today. (laughs) And uh, I believe that faith is a force. And that it helps us to to move forward and to overcome. But I want to share this with you that if we can get our thinking right. Now, what does that mean, get it right? Well, in line with God's Word. How many believe this book is right? Everything that's in it is right. And so thinking opposite this would be thinking opposite the will of God. So whatever the Bible says, whatever the Bible states, that's what we need to think like that. So if we could get our thinking lined up with the Word, again, number one, our thinking. Number two, our believing to agree with that. Number three, our confession. I'm going to talk about that quite a bit to line up with that. And then every other kind of possible physical action to line up with the Word of God. We have a four-fold force going all in the same direction. I don't know. I'm not a jet pilot, but I don't think you'd want one engine on reverse and the other one on forward. You might end up doing some kind of a having a problem. You've got a twin engine. <laughs> or imagine four jet engines and three are going one way and one's going backwards. You're going to have some problems. And that's the way it is in faith. That's the way it is in believing God. You can't have it one way and another way at the same time. Somebody said, well, what does it mean to be, you know, James says, we're going to look at this in a minute. What does it mean to be double-minded about something? Well, it means I believe I'm sick and I believe I'm healed all at the same time. I believe I'm broke. I believe I'm blessed. I believe I'm, I've, I've got favor and I believe everybody hates me. I mean, you know, you, you can't, you can't believe those, those things diametrically oppose concepts. You can't believe them at the same time. And so that's what people try to do. Well, they believe one thing, but I believe this, but I believe that. They're all over the board. We, and so I don't know. I've just been thinking about the new year and, you know, fresh direction and getting some things accomplished. You ever think of that? What am I going to get accomplished this year that's left over from last year? Clean up some things, do some things. I was thinking about myself. Uh, we all think about ourselves sometimes, I'm sure. I might think, I might be more narcissistic than you. I don't know. I think about myself a lot. But, um, I was just thinking about my thinking and making sure, I just want to make sure that my thinking in every area is lined up with the word. All right. Don't everybody shout at once. We don't want any chaos. In here. All right. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. Let's look at that. We're talking about thinking. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about all of this. How many know that's so? 
Proverbs 23 and verse 7 is uh, not a huge verse, but it's something important. Amen? Everything in the Bible is important, but, you know, for this discussion. Uh, it says, for as he, or a man, thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. But notice the first part especially. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Did you know you are what, people say you are what you eat. <laughs> Other people say you are what you drive. Anyway, neither one of those is completely true. You are, however, according to the word, what you think. You are what you think. Amen? And so, if you think failure, you're most likely going to be a failure. If you think defeat, you're going to be defeated. If you think lack, you're going to continue to have lack. How many hate lack as much as I do? I don't like lack. Do you? Run out of money, run out of food, run out of whatever, run out of favor, run out of friends. You don't want to run out or run out of vision, whatever. You don't want to run out of anything. And so if all we're thinking is lack, now the world on this particular thought, the world operates off of lack and off of fear. And uh, everything is afraid of what you don't have and afraid you're going to lose what you do have. And that's the way people live. That's the reason they act so ugly. You just let there be a gas line or a food line or any other kind of line, and you're going to see what people are made out of. The Coca-Cola, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony, looks nice on an ad, but it doesn't work in the real world. People will about cut your throat over a slice of bread. So the world works off of fear and off of lack. But praise God, we have a God of abundance. Amen. And when the world is screaming lack, we need to be screaming abundance. Praise God. Let's look at some more scriptures on the thinking part. 2 Corinthians 10.5, let's turn there. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Now, back up and look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God, notice this statement here, to the pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? Well, a stronghold is usually, it can be in other areas, but it's usually in your mind. It's in your soul. A stronghold. Now some of us, and Pastor Scarlett, uh, as a, Certified Christian counselor. It's the certified counselor. She happens to be a Christian also. But <clears throat> she can tell you that people have strongholds 
Now, we don't use that term so much, and I don't think, I'm, I don't have her degree, but, so she intimidates me a little bit with that. But uh, psychological terminology, I don't think they use the word stronghold. But you can see how it works for our discussion today, that there are people that have strongholds or hang-ups or deals all the way from childhood. Something that was done to them, something that was said to them, something that they got the impression of. I know uh, uh, a minister, uh, a, a young lady that's a minister, now her, her family has been in ministry. She wrote a book about her struggles with drug addiction and alcoholism and those things. And she said that it all stemmed from a thought that came to her. This thought came. Nobody said it. It wasn't something she heard. She said just that she remembers a thought that came to her that said, your parents, your family doesn't love you. And this was the, one of the most loving families in the body of Christ. And she said, your family doesn't love you. Your mom and dad, they don't really care about you. And it came from nowhere. It just came from weird, from the devil, <laughs> you know. And so she started dwelling on that thought. And the more they reached out in love to try to rescue her and help her, the more this thought prevailed. And she said, I just, I, I know they're saying they love me. I know they're reaching to me. But I just believe that they don't love me. And that thought came like a, a leaky faucet. Just drip, 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 drip. They don't love you. They don't love you. They don't really care about you. They wouldn't care if you died. And this thing took her over and it's what drove her, she said, to do the most heinous things you can imagine. Thank God she was delivered. Thank God she has a family. Thank God she's in the ministry today and helping others. But she said she had to break that stronghold of that lie. It was a lie from the devil. But he got her to believe it. He got her to think about it. So many of the negative things that we think about are just exactly that, a stronghold of the enemy. There's no evidence to it whatsoever. It's just the devil putting stuff in our mind. that, And sometimes that stronghold can be there uh, for 40 years or longer. Now I'll tell you something I've learned about gardening here in Florida. If you let anything stay long enough, it's going to develop roots as big around as this pulpit and wrap around every pipe and under your foundation and everything else. And um, even if you cut the tree down that it grows there, it's supposed to be a bush and now it's a tree. Downtown St. Petersburg, as you head towards the pier, they got these bushes that are really supposed to be shrubbery, and they've let them grow into trees. They're like, they look like major trees. They're as tall as this church building. 
And you realize they're supposed to have been a shrub. Somehow they got mistrimmed a few decades. And they now they've trimmed them out as trees. It's just the craziest thing you've ever seen. That's Florida weather for you. Anything will grow. If you're not careful, if you put a fence post out, it'll sprout. Well, that's the way some of these strongholds have been there so long and have such deep roots into our soul and into our very being that we've become used to them being there. It's just become normal. This is who we are. This is how we think. Well, then we come along with some little tiny faith confession and try to overcome that with just one little name it and claim it. And we wonder why it doesn't work. Sometimes we have to do a little groundwork. Amen. And we have to go and not only, uh, I found out, shut, cut that tree down, but we've got to dig up the roots too and have a stump grinder guy come in and grind it all up and, and maybe put a little something down in there, there to make sure that a piece of it doesn't start growing back up. Because if you're not careful, you'll just regrow the same thing. Is this helping anybody? Anything negative that you believe about yourself, anything that's of lack, of failure, of, of telling you how ugly you are, telling you how stupid you are, telling you how whatever you are, how poverty stricken you are, any of those things are not in line. Remember what I said when I opened, they're not in line with the word of God. Because the word tells us Christ hath redeemed us from the curse. And you need to start believing that. I'm redeemed. Well, you don't look redeemed. I know. But hide and watch. Well, you don't seem redeemed. I know. Hide and watch. You'll see a change. Amen? Preach, pastor. Well, what happens with those strongholds? They gotta be pulled down and pulled out and rooted out. Then we can go to verse five, casting down imaginations. Some of this stuff's just imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself. How many things? Most of them. Two or three of the bad ones. Every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, which, how many? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Well, what's the point of the obedience of Christ? How did Christ obey? Well, Christ obeyed, amen, by going to the cross, his whole process of, of dying and, and, and being resurrected, as we say, from the cross to the throne was his obedience. And so you would want to bring every, every thought to that obedience or redemption. Bring the thought to redemption. The obedience of Christ. Amen? 
so what did Christ do? Well, he finished it, <laughs> finished the work for us so that we could bring those thoughts in and say, now, how does this compare to being redeemed from the curse? Am I making any sense? Bring it to that obedience. Through his obedience, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. He defeated sin and all of its consequences. He defeated everything that the devil had done and turned it around. And now we're in Christ, praise the Lord, and therefore we're overcomers. How much of an overcomer? More than a conqueror. Not just barely get by by the skin of your nose. Praise God, more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. So you see the Bible has some things to say about our thinking. Now look at Philippians 4.8. I hope you're getting something out of this. This is the way I'm going to think this year. How about you? Every thought. Like I told you, that one guy I was had a little business with in Tulsa, every time he'd walk into a room, he'd say, well, I'll be damned. And I said, well, you're going to be if you keep saying that. Stop cursing yourself. Well, now, m- most Christians don't talk like that, but they, they'll say things that mean the same thing. Anything that's subpar, re- redeemed from the curse, is a is a curse and should not be in our vocabulary. <clears throat> well, Brother Horton, I just think you're just a little bit extreme. Well, let me tell you about extreme. I think God was extreme sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. That's extreme. <laughs> The whole thing's extreme. The whole gospel is extreme. Hallelujah. Woo! Got a good platform I can stomp on. Some of these churches, they pour cement up here and you can't stomp. You need a wood platform to stomp on. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> Philippians 4.8, again, talks about our thought life. Now, I know we understand about confession, you know, the, the idea that any thought left unspoken, dies unborn. But on the other hand, the Bible does say something about what we think on. And so, just because you don't say it doesn't mean it's not a prevailing thought. You're going to have to come against that thought with your mouth. Amen. 
I said, you're going to have to come against that stronghold and that thought with your confession. And when, you know, you can't sleep at night or something, and you're up and you're worrying and you're thinking about stuff, but what could go wrong? <laughs> the what could go wrong demons get a hold of you. Anybody ever had an experience with them talking to you? You need to speak the Word of God against it. Sorry for being so old school Word of Faith today, but I'm telling you, this is what we need. Maybe I'm just slow, because I've been at this about 40 years with this message. But, and I'm thankful for Brother Hagen for writing the book, Right and Wrong Thinking, Right and Wrong Believing, and Right and Wrong Confession. But, for me, I'm still transforming in line with this. And I think we always will be. Because we're surrounded. We live in a negative world. We live in a failure-prone, failure-thinking world. And uh, I, I want to live in victory. Shondai. All right. Yeah. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are awful, whatsoever things are dark, whatsoever things are ugly. Is that what it says? No, whatsoever things are true. Well, where's truth found? You know, in the news media? No, they've even been known to tell a big one from time to time. The government tells you what's true. God help us. Aren't you glad that we don't live where we, tr- where, oh boy, I almost said a big blooper. Aren't you glad that we live in a place where we got enough sense not to believe everything we're told by even the government? Because they've been known to stretch it a little bit. Just so you know. You know what we found out? That, that so-called oil crisis in the 70s, like 1974, the whole thing was fake. The government and the oil companies got together and decided to try an experiment and see what would happen. Let's just see what would happen if we shut off the gas. That's exactly what happened. And they did it so they could spike the oil prices. And it was discovered later that we never had an oil shortage. We never had a gas shortage. It was made up. Now, a government that will do that will about do anything. They're, are, they're all capable of the same thing. I'm not going to start an anti-government church. There are, there are those. I'm not anti-government. I'm just telling you, you have to take what you hear with a grain of salt, and especially from the news media. And... Uh, um, I just know some things that I've been told about some of that and from some high up 
people in government who said, do not depend on the news media for your information. Because they said about half of it is drama and is made up. It's cinematography. So you need to, everything you do here, cut it in half and maybe you got somewhere near the truth. All right, I'll shut up on that. Turn into Rush Limbaugh here instead of the pastor. Um, what says whatsoever things are true, well, where do you find truth? In the rightly divided word of truth. The word of God is where you find truth. When the news media comes on and says, we're all in this together, and that means we're all kind of screwed over here, Listen, Scarlett and I talk to it back. We talk back. We say, we're not in that with you together. We are not in. Do not include us in your epidemic pandemic. Don't care if you've been attacked with it or not. Circumstances do not change the Word of God. The Word of God changes circumstances. We're, we are not, I remember when back in the 80s, early 80s, there was a recession. Um, some of you might remember that, that hit also surrounding the oil business. It really affected Tulsa. And uh, <clears throat> praise the Lord, God's holy city <clears throat> with the eternal flame above it. Um, the recession, I remember... Brother Copeland getting up at some meeting saying, we are not participating with this recession. I love that. I thought, you know what? I'm going to say that. <laughs> We're not participating with pandemics, failures, global warming, riots in the streets, whatever. We're not participating. We're only going to participate with what God says is true. Why? Because I'm not under the curse. Well, we're just all in this together. Not me. I'm out. Well, get out. Don't include me in your curse. Well, you're just not living in reality. You got that right. I'm not living in the reality of the curse. I'm living in the reality of God's Word, which is diametrically opposed to that. Well, I think this church is just extreme. It's not as extreme as it's going to get. We're going to get more extreme. I'm telling you, when the devil stirs up things, we need to get above it. Do it better. Don't get me started. Too late. I drank the Kool-Aid. It's affected my mind. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, 
Boy, that's hard to find, ain't it? <laughs> just saying. All right. Whatsoever things are just, according to the word, according to the blood, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. doesn't say confess these things. It says, think on them. Ah! You know, if you go to a church and the pastor's not excited, you might be in the wrong church. I don't know. I mean, my God, if the pastor's not excited, where does that leave everybody else? Pastor says, come to my church. I'm... Bored and dead. Okay, that sounds good. Sign me up. You might have a stronghold if that's how you think. <laughs> Just saying. Alright, now, we don't have time today to go through every single verse the Bible has about thinking. But there's just a smattering of things that God cares about our thought life. Why? Because he's a prude and he doesn't want you to think. No! <laughs> because he loves us. And he knows that fact. As a man thinketh, so is he. He knows that about us. And he wants us to be blessed. My God, he's done everything that you can imagine to bless us. With all spiritual blessings. And everything that pertains to life and godliness. So, it's kind of like us feeding our children or our dog or whatever we're feeding. <laughs> Amen? You just don't want to give them a whole lot of rat poison. Because it's not good for them. And so God doesn't want us feeding on think on thought life that's going to be poisonous to our soul. All right. Why are you yelling? I don't know. I just feel like it. All right. Mark 11. I'm really not a screamer preacher, but I do yell. I had to learn in preaching extended meetings, that if the first night you get up and scream, your voice is shot for the rest of the week. Uh-oh. You know. <laughs> Nobody can understand it. So you have to pull back. Push with your diaphragm. You scream till blood comes out. You're in trouble. Mark 11 24 mentions our believing. 23 also does, but we're going to get back, we're going to do it a little in reverse here. Just look quickly at 24 because we want to talk about, just briefly touch on right and wrong confession. Right and wrong confession. But we also want to talk about right and wrong believing. So look at verse 24. Therefore I say unto you, 
what things soever you desire. Well, now, shouldn't that say what things soever? You know that the problem with Calvinism is that if you really study it, they will tell you, and because I've read the, I've read the systematic theology books, it will tell you that if you're really a great Christian, you don't even have a desire. You just accept what the Lord prepares for you. Humbly accept it. But see, this is not what the words of Jesus are. He said, what things ever you desire. Not what you think the Lord desires for you. What you desire. Wow, you know what that tells you? You can have a desire. Get over it. Relax. I just don't want anything. Well, okay, let's cut off your oxygen and see how long that... You might want a breath. All right, verse 24. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe, that you receive them and you shall have them. Again, this is just one little tiny verse, but so powerful, isn't it? That it's important what we believe. I said it's important what we believe. And it's important what we believe when we pray. Some people come in the door and they're all upset. And say, Pastor, I want, I want to pray. I want you to pray with me. And I've had to say to some people, you're not in any shape to pray yet. Because if we pray with what you've got on you right now, it's, 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 it's like a, it's like a curse magnet. You understand if you just pray out of fear, pray out of panic, pray out of freak out, you're not, you want, you really want that prayer to get answered like that. So I always tell people, all right, calm down here, blow your nose, have a coffee, do something. We'll spike your blood sugar with a donut. Um, but calm down, catch your breath. Even if it's something that's an emergency, you can still take a second to calm down, catch your breath, look at what the Word says. Get your believing right. And then pray. When you pray, at the same time, believe. What do you want to believe? What do you want to have happen? This isn't deep, amen? What is it you want to have happen? Believe that. And then pray. Praise God. So you see what I'm saying about lining up everything? Right thinking, right believing. Now we're going to have right confession. If you look at verse 23, it says, whosoever Jesus said, Jesus said, not some TV preacher you don't like, Jesus said, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, Again, here's the believing part. Shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. There you have right confession. Amen? 
Here's what I would recommend. If you've got an area especially that needs to be changed or you have a chronic thing that keeps coming up, I'm not talking about just physical symptoms, but I mean it can be financial, it can be depression, it can be whatever you deal with that seems to not work. And you can you can write these things down. First of all, get the Word of God out. See what the Word says about it. Because remember, how do we know what to think? We want to think like the Word, right? We want to believe like the Word. We want to confess. That's why we sometimes hold up our Bible. John Osteen taught us to do this. This is, this is my Bible. This is God's Word to me. This is, some people say, this is God's love letter to me. Mine's got my initials on the front. <laughs> and uh, this is God speaking to me. This is my Bible, and this is this is this is God's word to me. Amen. It's not just God's word to the world, God's word to the church. That's all true, but it's God's word to me. And when you make it personal, and you say, "I am everything this book says I am," I have. Everything this book says I have. Amen. I'm going to do everything this book says I'm going to do. Jesus, my picture and my heart of Jesus is from this. Not from visiting the museums in Florence with 14th century religious art, which depicts... uh, Mary taking the crown off of Jesus and putting it on her head, which is, which is heresy. But, uh, I realized that walking through the museum in Florence one time, I thought, this is not good doctrine here. It's beautiful art, but bad doctrine. Because Jesus is king. I said, Jesus is king. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's the only one. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. No, I'm not anti-Catholic, so please don't go out and lie and say that. I'm not anti-anything. I'm pro-Bible. And if it agrees with the word, I'm for it. Praise the Lord. If it doesn't, you got a problem. That's all I'm saying. Amen. We've, we've had meals just this year. We've had meals with atheists. Scarlet and I have had meals with atheists, Hindus, Muslims, Jews, Catholics, you name it, all kind of people. And, 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 and been everybody's gracious and whatever. But I'm telling you, for me and my house (laughs) and my church, I pastor and believe, I have to preach the Word of God. That's it. So we're not, I'm not against everybody, but I'm certainly not going to be a universalist in the other ditch. Amen? All right, one more verse to wrap this up. I'm about ten minutes over, but a hundred years from now, nobody will care. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for that? Look at the book of James. 
2.26. We might spend a couple of minutes here, okay? In James. And look at chapter 2 and verse 20. Is that is that where I want to be? Yes. So, you'll see here, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, back up to verse uh, 14. It says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and hath not works, can faith alone save him? And then notice uh, verse, just to save time, skip to 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being al- alone. Uh, and then he goes on and on with the same theme here about what we call corresponding action. So, this is the final thing on the four, the balance here. (laughs) The new version of the four square gospel. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Oh God, can you imagine putting that on Facebook? They'd call you a cult in half a minute. Um, But the fourth estate here on this area that we need to pay attention to is the idea of corresponding action to go with what we're thinking, believing, saying, and now doing. Amen? We're going to put our, put our works and our doings in line with all that. Amen? Praise the Lord. So if you want something that's different than what you've had, start doing, start doing something different than what you've done. What is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over again, expecting new results. So sometimes year after year, after decade, after whatever, we keep doing and saying and believing the same thing and then just, and then when it gets to prayer, we go, Lord, we don't know why this is the way it is. Well, I can tell you the why it's the way it is is because you've not done anything to change it. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting on him. No, you're not. He's ahead of us. Praise the Lord. He's already done everything. Yeah. We're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. Most of the time, he's waiting on us to get all this in line. Now, I'm not talking about getting some dead letter of the law, fundamentalism. Listen, if you don't think we faith people aren't capable of fundamentalism, then you've never been around too many of us very long. Because we can tell you how the cow eats the hay in a half a minute and have all these 19 steps to victory and God knows what and you got to go back to step 12 if you think, you know, I mean, heaven help us. We are pros at fundamentalism. Professional edict givers. <laughs> but 
On the same hand, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So just because some people have gotten legalistic about the Word and taken faith out of it, there's no heart in it. There's no soul in it. There's nothing spiritual about it. It's just do these three things, do these four things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about doing the Word in a way that is effective, that is fluid, that is alive, and that brings results in Jesus' name. All right, that's enough preaching today. Did you get anything out of that? Amen. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not under the curse. For Jesus has set me free. Amen. Now, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we just lift up the people, especially watching on Internet and those in the house today. Lord, we lift up uh, their needs to you, and we take authority in Jesus' name over all sickness, all disease, all problems. Anybody that's dealing with this Omicron or whatever the name of it is, every name that's given has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. I command blind eyes to open, deaf ears to unstop, lame legs to walk, cancers and tumors to dry up and disappear, suspect cells and things like that to turn and be healed and be healthy. In Jesus' name, be healed and whole from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Anybody dealing with mental illness or depression or fear, unreasonable things in Jesus' name, I cast it down. Take authority over the devil. Satan, take your hands off of God's property. Leave people alone in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Those that have financial needs, I thank you that, Lord, you show yourself strong this week in a great provision that will let them see that you care about them and that you know and care. We give you glory and honor and praise today for your healing touch in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what I want you to do, you got homework today. I want you to go home and make a list of at least three things. Not, not, I'm not going to tell you 25 things, but you'd be surprised. Make a list of at least three things that you need to see changed in this year in your life. And you write those three things down. And you start changing what you're saying about it, what you're thinking about it, what you're believing, and what you're doing about it. And you'll see a change come. You can testify. Amen? You do that? Let's lift our hands one more time. Just one more time. And praise Him, for He's worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Praise the Lord. You may be dismissed. God bless you.